This is Strange Assembly episode 209, Return to Rokugan. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Jay Earl. Squeak! And you're listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there on iTunes, in the Google Play Store, or wherever it was that you found this episode, probably. As you might be able to guess from the title, Jay and I are here to talk about the big announcement information about the new Fantasy Flight living card game version of Legend of the Five Rings. Are you pumped, Jay? I am so pumped, yes. That's interesting. I've I've known you a while. I've never actually known you to lift weights before. Well, if if our audience isn't pumped, soon we will pump them up. <laughs> I thought that pump thing was the, the sort of terrible punish joke you would appreciate. Yeah, exactly. And then I make horribly obscure reference that probably only two other audience members are old enough to, to, to get. The sad thing is you, you may be right about the obscurity of that, except that does not feel obscure at all, because my response is, who doesn't know that bit from Saturday Night Live like t- 30 years ago or whatever? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I am Hans, and I am Franz, right? And we are here yes. to pump you up. You up. Yeah, who's that? Dana Carvey and... I can picture him, but Kevin I can't... Kevin Nealon, is that his yes. name? Yes. Okay, there you go. (laughs) I've connected those neurons back together again, and now I've forgotten the name of my child. Oh, well. Uh, Just just call him Chris Jr. (laughs) All right, so we're recording this on the evening of April 20th, and so on April 19th, Fantasy Flight had the big announcement, and then on the morning of April 20th, they did their Ask Me Anything on Reddit, which included the generation of the first quote-unquote controversy. Yay! <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> That's okay. I had something to say in that general milieu anyway, so, you know, it, it gives me a hook for my mini-rant. You know, everybody likes a good mini-rant. Not necessarily a full rant, that kind of takes too long, but a, a mini-rant. Just, just a little baby mini-rant. Just, just a little... <laughs> yeah, a mini... Mini-rant. So, we're... we're <laughs> not going to be able to go over every single little aspect of the announcements, although depending on how long we blather, we may hit most of them. Yeah. So if you want to go look at them, there are are four different places you would have to look to get all this information. The first is the announcement article. The second, and the most important really, is if you go on Fantasy Flight's website and look at the product page and then hit the read more, it will send you to a big long article and that has the most information about it, including at the bottom a breakdown of things that are identified as as differences between the old game and the new game. Also from the product page, you will see a link or you can see a link to a showcase page and that does not have much new, but it does have something new. Uh, When Jay and I talk about province cards, that's the place where they actually show a picture of province cards. And then fourth is the uh, AMA on Reddit, or you can go on the community forums at Fantasy Flight and people there are discussing what was said on the AMA. So 
It's with Steve Horvath's discussions at Gamma Show. We didn't do a uh, emergency podcast uh, after that one because it was really all things that we already knew. Like, there's going to be L5R products other than L5R the card game, including they're going to make a new version of the RPG. I mean, he didn't explicitly say that, but he implied that they would, which, and I think they may have said that more strongly before. I honestly would not be the least bit surprised to see them do what they did with the Star Wars RPG uh, of this beta. year. Yeah, having a beta at Gen Con this year. I'm not saying they will do it. I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I actually would be. Okay. I don't know. I, I just figured there'd be a little bit more of uh like, you know, that's like next year or something. But hey. You'll just be less surprised when we're both sitting there in line going, oh, take some more of my money. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I need another beta book of a book I'm going to then buy anyway, right? No matter what I buy. Pretty much, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm going to buy this next year when it comes out for real, so I may as well spend $30 for a beta. Um, there is going to be storyline interaction of some sort, but not in the way that AEG did it. Oh, and there are going to be Kote. But they're not going to be done in the same way. My guess is that we will see Kote in the same way that we see things like the Open Series for X-Wing. It'll be a, a tournament series that maybe has eight... It's, it's like eight tournaments around the yeah. world, and that will be... They'll just call them Kote for L5R. Now, he did say at the at Gamma that Heaving Steve Horvath that you would need two core sets to be competitive... That was taken by many people, including me, as saying, you need two copies of the core set. That is not the case. You need three copies of the core set to have a play set of everything. So, exactly how that works, I don't know. It's There are some things that you'll have uh, that you only yeah. need two of to get a play set, but there are other things you need three of. You can play with up to three copies of a card in your deck. If there's things that there's two copies of in the core set, you need two core sets to have a play set of that. If there's yeah. things that there's one copy of, well, you know, you'll need three copies of the core set. Um, the core set, it's going to be $40, of course. It has about 250 cards in it, 250 normal size cards in it. It also has some number of smaller cards because the product pages list these required sleeves as five packs of 50 each of the normal size sleeves and then one pack of the smaller American board game size sleeves. Interesting. I hadn't noticed that one. I have a guess about what those are, but that gets into a specific of the game that we'll get into later. So what does this inherit from the original Legend of the Five Rings? Well, you have two decks It used to be a Dynasty and a Fate deck. It is now called a Dynasty deck and a Conflict deck. The Dynasty deck has characters. They're characters now instead of personalities. It's got characters and holdings in it. Correct me if if you hear me saying something wrong here. Uh, I've looked at this stuff since yesterday. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's all new to us, yeah. yeah. Right, and then the Conflict deck has attachments, like all attachments, one card type. So uh, what exactly will be in there? I don't know, but I, I mean, it may be like weapons and spells, and there could be more ephemeral things that are attachments. I, you know, Kehoe, who knows? Martial arts technique. Attachments and then events, with events being the one shot, play them, and then something happens. And that's it. 
You also, you have four provinces and a stronghold, like you did in the card game. And it seems like the primary win condition is through breaking provinces. The the military win condition in the original Letter of the Five Rings was you destroy all your opponent's provinces and you win. In this, you your opponent has four provinces. You never destroy provinces, you break them. But right, which we don't know what that means exactly. Well, no, I think we do know what it means because they continue to get the production out of the province. Right. That is the biggest difference, right? One of the things you had a snowball effect in classic L5R because if I've destroyed three of your provinces and maybe if you're an honor deck, I've got an incentive because I need to, to beat you down before you cross. But if you're another military deck, right at that point, I just sit there and buy three guys a turn and you can buy one and then eventually I overwhelm you. Yeah. In this, you're you're always going to have all four of your provinces of production. So I think you had to break three provinces. To unlock the stronghold. And yes. then you unlock the stronghold. And then if you break the stronghold, you win. You also instantly win, I believe, if you hit 25 honor and mm-hmm. lose if you hit zero honor. Right. So it's extra interesting to me how much smaller the honor range is in this game. Uh, yeah, well, that that really ties into one of the two sort of big new mechanics about this. I feel like the less central, big, distinctive mechanic about this is the card draw from the conflict deck, right? Your dynasty deck, every turn you just flip up the new cards in your provinces, and you're always getting four. The conflict deck, you and your opponent bid a number from one to five. And that is going to be how many cards you draw. But if your bid is higher than your opponent's, you have to pay your opponent honor equal to the difference. So if I bid four and you bid two, I have to pay you two honors. So in that four-point honor swing, right? And so I suspect that the honor range was kind of chosen as a practical matter, sort of. What does the honor range need to be to really work with this mechanic? Uh, if you went from negative 10 to 40, like in the old game, that would literally be twice the honor range as this. You could start at 10 honor and then just draw five cards every turn and still never run out. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's Obviously, it's for that. I'm just saying it's it's interesting that because they've shrunk it, that means that building an honor or dishonor deck, you don't need nearly as much in in built-in swings, especially with the draw mechanic giving you an inherent swing. So it's, it's not going to be like the AG one where at some point basically every honor deck card had gain to honor stapled <laughs> onto it just so it would actually be playable in an honor deck. And it makes honor much more relevant to everybody. Also true. There were lots of games of L5R Classic where honor was essentially irrelevant. Right, if you had a military deck versus a military deck, it mostly didn't matter. Or if it mattered, it only mattered for one player. Right? Or yeah. is their honor going to get too high, or is my honor going to get too low? In this, that's always going to be a factor because I mean, right? If nothing else, you're always going to want to be more effective by drawing more conflict cards, and that risks hemorrhaging honor off of you. You know, if you I, I presumably this is not the sort of thing that will happen, but I, it looks like if you, if over the course of three turns you choose five and your opponent chooses one, you would lose. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, right, you you have to care. And, and, of course, it remains to be seen how often it is that you win by honor or lose by honor versus it being more of a pressure mechanic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely hard to say without seeing how the entire shape of the game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think they've suddenly made card draw in this game a very interesting bluffing mechanic sort of thing that, you know, people are going to be discussing what is the correct number of to bid here and so forth and how do you how do you do it? And, yeah, I, I think anything like that that is adding depth and complexity in a way that shouldn't bog down the game too much is a good thing. Yeah, and the other mechanic adds a lot of strategic decisions while I think in the long run keeping board complexity from getting out of hand and that is the fate mechanic which I think you might say is this the central mechanic of the game I think they said that yeah okay. I think that was I think in one of the AMA questions one of the answers was something to the effect of yeah once once we locked in on that fairly early we they really integrated that heavily into the design of the game. Yeah, a, no, a number of the AMA questions were the sort of things that were never going to produce a useful answer yeah. at this point. Like, how are you going to balance X, Y, or Z? Like, well, you know, playtesting. Yeah, I, <laughs> basically. <laughs> or will you talk about this thing that is almost assuredly in one of the upcoming articles about the game? No, wait for the article. Uh, yeah, so Fate is currency of the game right and that's that's nothing different you have you have cards and they cost fate to to, to buy oh my gosh there's a currency in the game <gasps> shocking i know yeah i actually from, from that perspective like it that you know these aren't samurai aren't motivated by money but yeah and the base fate production honestly seems like it works kind of like i expected to work Here's what I would say is the standard methodology for a Fantasy Flight LCG, which is you have some base amount of resource production, and that is enough for you to function. And then, you know, you have the option to play with some other cards that maybe enhance that, but it's you don't have to have to. And... You you probably want to to some extent, but it's it you know there's there's not really such a thing as a total resource screw or anything like that, and I think that's what you've ended up with here. That you know the strongholds, the two strongholds that we saw post produced seven fate a turn, and they indicated I think in one of the AMA answers that there will be some other cards that can give you more fate production, but it's not like a ramping up thing. You have you have a steady right because you have a steady card flow throughout the game and a fairly steady economy, it seems, throughout the game. Uh, and fate carries over from turn to turn. Yeah, it's not like the old game where the first few turns are just building up your economy. Your economy's pretty well good from the start, and maybe you get a couple boosts through the game. Yeah, but of course that's not the distinctive thing about fate. The distinctive thing about fate is that fate also becomes tokens that you put on your characters, because every character has... They have a destiny, and they are destined to be with us for a certain amount of time, and then they are gone. And maybe it means they die, and maybe it means they retire, maybe it means they get transferred to some other province. But 
your personalities by default go away at the end of the turn. Yeah. And if you want them to stay around longer, you pay more for them, and then you put the fate tokens on them. And so at the end of every turn, anyone who doesn't have a fate token gets discarded, and anyone who has a fate token loses a fate token. So we see personalities costing between one and four in the previews, for whatever that's worth. They did during the AMA confirm the kind of intuition that it is much more important with expensive characters to load fate on them. Yeah. Right. If you if you really want to get bang out of your four cost character, you probably want them hanging around for more than one turn. Presumably, yeah. So for how long this lasts? Three to six turns was the expectation for games to last. So that's the other central thing, this sort of flow of personalities. There's conflict that's similar-ish to what there used to be, right? You attack provinces to break them, and you, in order to win a battle, you have to have shock, more... Uh, it's not force anymore, right? It's military. It's military and politics. There's no chi anymore. Characters have like four numbers on them. One is their cost, one is their military, one is their politics, and one is their glory. But you attack a province, your attack strength, you win the battle if you're higher you know, military or politics than the defender, and you break the province if you win by enough to beat the strength of the province, or whatever number they're calling it. I'll, I'll just call it strength for now. If you do that, you, you break the province. Now, there's differences, of course. You get to declare two attacks a turn, up to two attacks a turn. You can declare one military conflict and one political conflict. They're called conflicts, not attacks. You declare a conflict, your opponent has to choose what, if anything, to defend with. The guys who defend go home bowed. There isn't the wipe out your army anymore like there used to be, but they are by default done for the turn. And so there can be up to four conflicts in a turn and different clans will be more focused on different aspects of that. Of, you know, Surprise, surprise, lion more focused on military, crane more focused on politics, crab military and defending, right? And let's see, so the, the province strength is defined by the province cards. Each card, each province, including your stronghold, at the start of the game, you put a province card face down under it. And the provinces also seem to have an elemental ring on them. So it may be that you have to have one province of each ring, maybe? We don't know. That's total speculation. That's, that's the implication, but never explicitly stated, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and some of the provinces, and, and, and actually just generally, everything gets factions, right? There, It's no longer the case that personalities are, have factions and nothing else does. You see in the previews holdings with factions, provinces with factions, characters, attachments, events. Everything can be factioned. Which is really to be expected. It was it's better designed, frankly, at this point, mm-hmm. to have the faction stuff apply to everything. And so the provinces that we've seen images of have a province strength between two and four. But the provinces face down, you don't know until you attack your opponent's province 
what the ability is going to be. So you don't know what the strength is going to be, and you don't know what ability that it has. So we things like, well, there's there's attacking, there's switching rings. There's a lot of rings. There's uh, which we haven't talked about yet. Your stronghold province is harder to break. Usually, it looks like. Yeah, it's like the stronghold gives some province strength boost. Uh, yeah, the, the two strongholds that we've seen, and we've we've seen the we see the lion stronghold and we see the crane stronghold, and each of those gives. They're very similar in that right. They both they both give plus two province strength to that province. They both give 10 of what I'll call influence, for lack of a better term. They both have 7 fate production. The lion stronghold starts with 12 honor, I'm assuming. The crane stronghold starts with 11. There's, an, I, there's a number in the lower left that says 12 and 11, and it's got a symbol that looks an awful lot like the honor tokens right? that we see in some of the other pictures. So I imagine that's the starting family honor. Makes sense. Yeah. The, the crane stronghold, during a political conflict, you can bow the stronghold to bow somebody in a political conflict who has uh who's got bad politics and then the lion are good at attacking <laughs> at, at boosting themselves in military attacks within flavor for those clans uh but when you declare an attack if you think about the in the win conditions we talked about earlier or the lose conditions there's no enlightenment victory anymore at least not that they mentioned but the rings are actually much, much, much more integral to the game than they were in the CCG. Because whenever you declare a conflict, you choose a ring and you get a benefit based on the ring if you win the, if you win the attack, even if you don't break the province. And so we had things like removing a fate token from a character or stealing honor or... That sort of thing, and so you saw several of the several of the provinces when you flip them up when they attack it lets you change which ring. It sounds like when you declare a conflict, you claim a ring, or it might be that you claim it if you win it, and then once it's claimed, nobody else can choose that ring for that turn. Mm-hmm. There is an imperial favor. We have no idea what it does, but we know it's there. But yes, they've been deliberately mum on that. Yeah. What other foundational things are there? So personalities. It looks like most personalities are generic. Again, it's the sort of thing that, that you would expect to see based on Fantasy Flight's usual design choices, which is, it's not like the, 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 the you know, L5R Classic, where almost all personalities had names. It's really... Like, there are some unique personalities that are named, and then there's a lot of things like Matsu Berserker, Miramoto Prodigy, Doomed Shugenja. Right, where AEG would have been like, this is Matsu, Bob, and uh, Gasha, Steve, and whatever. They're just like, Matsu Berserker, he doesn't have a name. Oh, we didn't even talk about the story reboot, did we? That's probably no, important to I some assume... people too, right? The story isn't important for L5R, though. We should probably oh, I, skip that. I assume we're doing crunchy bits, and we'll bother with the story maybe sometime later. Yeah. I mean, who who cares? There's no ratlings in it, so it can't be that important. There do not appear to be any ratlings in it. That's not really surprising. <laughs> oh, Let's see. What are there? Are there any other high level mechanical bits? 
So there's one little thing that I thought was very interesting and is very subtle that I don't think you've explicitly mentioned. There are characters in the Dynasty deck, but there are also characters in the Conflict deck. So it's possible to drop a character in the middle of a battle for just, like, surprise ninja shenanigans. Do you not have the option to pay extra fate when they come out then? I would presume not. And in, clearly from the example that they give, like everything in the conflict deck is played during conflicts. You have the dynasty phase where you buy things out of your dynasty, out of your provinces, and then you have the conflict phase. And then you do the card draw thing, and then you have the conflict phase. Mm-hmm. So did you pick up, do you do you get to keep your cards from turn to turn? Or anything about a hand so. limit or... I I did not see any explicit reference either way, but yeah, I assume you're... I mean, yeah, you pick up a bunch of cards. I assume that's not your entire options for the turn. Ah? Uh, I mean, yeah, like maybe. That would be extra interesting. My guess would be that you carry over, because they didn't say anything about discarding, but I... I mean, they didn't... Maybe you get some sort of default card draw every turn, but, you know, I mean, you've only got so much fate... As well. Right. So so there's some other minor mechanical things that people would ask about. So dueling uses the honor dial. And I think that this was the only mechanical thing that made me go, eh. Because I didn't know. Like, there's, a, I think, a, a pretty solid thematic tie-in with the, the overall honor dial. Like, you... Okay, yeah, you've got the notion of honor is stronger than steel, but you can't actually make it be like, so, oh, the more honorable they are, you better than you are, right? You really, in that decision, you're you're thematically making a decision about, like, being super honorable and restricting yourself, or not being as honorable and having more options, but that is apparently the same way that a duel works. And we know nothing about how common duels are going to be. I'm guessing not very. But, right, you bid just like you would on the for the card draw. And then the number you bid is added to your character's duel stat. And then you have to pay the, the difference. Or your opponent pays you the difference. So that, thematically, I'm like, uh, it doesn't feel like... I, I guess I, I can see that. It doesn't feel like as much like in a duel... There's supposed to be the same kind of trade-off between honor and success. I mean, you can have that if you think in terms of like using a poisoned blade or throwing sand in your opponent's eyes or or something like that. But then, but mechanically, that just turns it into a big, big, huge buff bluffing thing, right? I mean, if yeah. my guy's got a three in his dual stat and your guy has a one, well, I'm guaranteed to win if I'm willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So do I choose four, knowing that, okay, now I can't possibly lose. I mean, barring card effects, who knows what's going to go on with that, but just based on the core mechanic. But, right, if you think I'm going to pay four, if you think I'm going to choose four, well, you can just choose one, and now right. I'm going to have to I'll give you three, three honor. honor. Yeah. So do I actually choose four? Are you actually going to choose? You know, it. That there's a real psychology there. Mm-hmm. with the bidding. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's a very interesting choice there, is, yeah, it, it does add an interesting psychological bidding 
lore into it of how mu- how much do you risk on your duel? I mean, maybe I'm playing an honor deck and I'm just like, I'm going to throw a one and hope you pick a bigger number and just give- sacrifice that dude to give me some honor. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Cavalry is does not do anything by default. Right, but apparently things will trigger off of it. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, so so influence, or what I'm calling influence. They're, they're officially not saying what these things are, but if, if you look on the strongholds, they have a little number in the bottom right with a bamboo shoot next to it. And for the two strongholds that we see, that number is 10. When you look at the bottom right of many of the cards you see little bamboo shoots. One bamboo shoot, two bamboo shoots, three bamboo shoots. And I don't think you see that on any of the dynasty cards. I think you mostly see that on the conflict cards. But the sort of obvious possibility for that is that it's influence like a Netrunner. Yeah. Where you are allowed to have up to ten bamboo shoots worth of out-of-faction cards in your deck. Yeah, see, that's interesting. I had noticed that, but I was like, oh, that must be card 1, and that's card 11, and that's card 111. Oh, wait, no, there's two card 11s. What's going on here? They must have just gotten lazy and just not numbered the cards yet. <laughs> but yeah, you see that, like, like the Unicorn event, Breakthrough, one Bamboo Shoot... Yeah. The Scorpion event, Blackmail, three bamboo shoots, and then Crab Rebuild is two. The Lion's Vengeful Oathkeeper personality uh, you know, is a two. The one reason I could come back and say, really, is that that's not a lot of splash. No. If you're talking about two influence cards, that would be, you get five? five? That's not many. I, what, in Netrunner, you get f- 15 was the generic... Yeah, and I imagine we'll see the same thing here that we see with you see with Netrunner and other things is that at the start there's a fairly homogenous set of faction cards strongholds in this case, and then as the game goes on it'll get changed up. You'll see strongholds with more divergent province strength bonuses or the house of the crab that has like plus eight province strength. Or the the house of the crane that can bring in everybody, yeah. Yeah, well, and I and I wouldn't be surprised if if you know the crab one in the base game has a plus three. Yeah, but I would be surprised if it's like if if, if somebody's got a plus five. Let's see what other? Oh yeah, there's honoring and dishonoring. So the fourth number on each of the characters is glory. And it seems like the default number is one. And Mm -hmm. so there are some references on cards to honoring a personality or dishonoring a personality. And uh, they said either in one of the articles or in the AMA that essentially if you are dishonored, then your glory number is subtracted from your stats. And if you die, you if the character dies, you lose that much honor. If the character is honored, then, then then the glory number becomes a bonus to the stats. And if the character dies, I believe you gain their honor. That's what it sounded like. But what, what that feels like to me is that honor and dishonor is not 
a binary status. It's not like in L5R Classic where everyone was honorable by default. And then if you were dishonorable, you got flipped upside down and that was different. Because it would be very weird to me mechanically to have everyone, like, everyone has stats of 1-1 or 3-0, but then they all just get a plus 1, plus 1 by default. That is a really pain to, to keep track of. So I think it may be that by default, people are just people. And then they only, they're only honored if you play something to make them honored. And then dishonored if you play something to make them dishonored. And that was one of my, that was part of my speculation for what they might do with those smaller cards is that you might have cards like you have for Committed to the Force in Star Wars where you can slide a card under and to the next of it that says like plus one, plus one, or minus one, minus one. That's not something that they've said. That's just me speculating based on what they have said. I think I said the each of the decks is 40 to 45 cards. I don't remember if I said that. You have now. Okay, well. <laughs> there you go. They have said that there are types of cards that we haven't seen yet. People asked a bunch of questions at the AMA about, like, minor clan characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the answer that kept getting given by, and I think it was usually given by Katrina Ostrander, the and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, who's the the story lead effectively. You know, I I don't know exactly what the hierarchy is, but she's kind of the equivalent of the story team lead, I think. For as, as far as we can tell, yeah. And I think she kept giving the response, which was, "You'll see minor clan characters in the story." Yes. Which is an implicit and not in the cards, hmm. at least not right now. Right. I mean, yeah, I would. I would not be surprised if there's maybe one in the base set and they'll occasionally show up later, but yeah, I would not expect to see a large swath of minor clans peoples. There are neutral guys, like we see a there's an Imperial, like a Mia, there's a, a card identified as Mia Mystic. Mm. So there, there are there are neutral personalities and you could have minor clan guys there, but there's that hanging out. I mean, there is, with one exception, arguably, they did not give any indication about adding more faction. Not that that means that they never will, but with Conquest, it was pretty upfront that, like, we're launching with these ones, and then we're totally going to add these other two. Right. Uh, I don't know if you knew immediately with the first announcement, but you knew pretty quickly. And the 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 one thing I say is an exception is that there is at least a reason to believe that Shadowlands will get added. Yes. There's nothing explicit that there'll be a faction, but there's definitely hints that they're going to be involved in some way. Yeah, I mean, they come up in the story stuff, which we've put a pin in Yeah. for this point. I'm looking to see if there was any other little things we maybe missed on the AMA, but what what are your thoughts on any of this? Is there anything you're cranky about? Anything you, Anything you think is particularly exciting? Nothing I'm really cranky about mechanically. I mean, I I do like. I mean, they they have made some sweeping changes. The fate system, the way the provinces work, the the way the rings work. But I I like all of those. To me, it's interesting that you're going from the AEG L5R that was a very lethal game in the battles, where yeah, one side is going to get wiped out of the battle, 
versus here, it's still a fairly lethal game, but you have a lot more control over it. It's not the battle, it's not losing the battle that wipes your board, it's time. With the fate counters, just every personality has a limited shelf life. I, I don't think I had anything that I was really negative about. Like I said, I, I thought the, the dueling seemed a slightly odd thematic yeah. fit, but other than that, I mean, I I can't say that like, oh, that fate mechanic is great because I've never played the game and what do I, you know, I have no clue. But none of the big major changes that you could really never have seen coming <laughs> no. struck me bad. They all make me want to hear more. They all continue to make me want to try it out. All the stuff that's variations on what was already in the game seem better. Right, they've freed themselves from the tyranny of random gold flops. They've gotten rid of the snowball effect of provinces being destroyed. They have sensibly switched to having lots more cars have factions and not just characters. I mean, that was always an issue with L5R Classic, especially since strategy cards almost always cost zero. Yeah, well, that's another thing. Is it looks like they're giving costs. Yeah, like you, you, you print a good generic card, and then just everyone, ever like every military deck can just use this fate card if they want. So, all of that seems good. I like, I like the rings being involved all the time. Enlightenment was a really cool, flavorful thing to have out there, but it was rare that it ever mattered. Yeah, yeah. The only times it really mattered was when they just made it too stupid, broken. I'm looking at you, Fida. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's not quite the only time. I mean, I played a military enlightenment deck at at Gen Con one year. I mean, so there was there was a time when that that was where there was a a very rare time when it was like a normal sort of deck, and it was sure. just because Dragon had enough that lets you like tutor it up and then play out rings by fighting battles. And but that was a, a brief window and like one clan. And I think Phoenix had some normal enlightenment decks. I'm trying to. Didn't Donnie, I mean, maybe he was the only one who was winning with it, but... Yeah. Did, didn't he have a, a successful Enlightenment deck? Yeah, he did. I mean, yeah, that was the thing, is there were a couple times when you could build a successful Enlightenment deck, but it was so skill-intensive that even a really good player would have trouble doing particularly well with it, so a really good player isn't going to want to bring it to, to a big tournament because they want a much more sure win than that. So if that's what we have mechanically, then there's the story. Do, do you want to do the presentation on on where the story sits to the extent that we know it? Sure. So it looks like they've brought us back to just before the Scorpion Clan coup, but with some minor tweaks, or, or, or minor to major tweaks around it. For instance, they have gender flopped the uh, Crane Champion. And the Unicorn Champion. I don't honestly remember the Unicorn Champion in Clan War. Was it Yokatsu? It was Yokatsu. Okay. And I don't remember who it is now, but it's female. I think her name starts with an A. Mm, yeah. And to be clear, when we say we say like it is, they've gone back to pre-Scorpion Clan coup. There's no reason to think that the Scorpion Clan coup is going to happen. This is true. Yeah. It is a similar, but but not identical situation. It, it it kind of goes back to if you remember like right the emergency podcast, and there was some conflicting information 
but one of the statements that was out there was that like the story draws on the RPG and mm-hmm. that's I think what we're seeing here which is if you go back to the first edition of the role playing game it was set you know near the end of this pseudo stable time in Rokugan's history right where there are there are all seven great clans right the the Kirin have become the unicorn but They've all been around. The Scorpion haven't been disbanded yet. There hasn't been a coup. But there's other things. The like the the names are the same, but the relationships have changed up a little bit in the Lion Clan leadership. Like I think Tatori's brother, is it Okoto Orasu, is yeah. actually the Lion Clan champion, which I don't think ever happened in the in the AG storyline yeah i seem to recall that he had died before assuming the championship yeah yeah, i think he died and then which is why tutori ended up as the champion right much to the chagrin but you've got some things you got the right that the scorpion are sort of at the the ascent of their political power there are some little hints that the phoenix may be dabbling with things they shouldn't be dabbling with to the consternation of some phoenix players and the delight of other people well yes Well, yeah, uh, forgotten or forbidden lore, that could be Mayho, that could be other things, you know, there's plenty of crazy magic. For the unicorn, there's an explicit call-out of Ataku Kamako, Kamako, although she's apparently very angry these days. Say that like she had another setting. (laughs) She didn't really do much in Clanmore, right? Isn't the old thing that, like, like, she didn't do anything, and then, like, her horse killed, like... Killed Yogo yeah. Junzo. I <laughs> that, that sounds right, yeah. So it sounds like she's angry with the Lion Clan specifically. The Lion and the Scorpion are buddies because they both hate the Crane, and the Crane are kind of down, and the Scorpion are up. The Dragon are, I don't know, they have dragon. a falling birth rate and possible heresy. Yakuni is still here. We got art of Yakuni. Can I mention that like the art is art is ludicrously good. It, yeah. it's hard oh, to really yeah. talk about but it's 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 insanely good the the Tagashi picture is this you know, like he he's he's basically human but he's got that very distinctive helmet but he like his hands are kind of collides it's like is it is he wearing a clawed gauntlet or his hands turning <laughs> into claws well because you can see his like yeah. going up his arm the kind of greenish that could possibly be some sort of transformation right and and tied in with that, we know some broader mechanical things. Crab like to defend, and they like holdings. The crane are unsurprisingly good at politics, and they do better when they are being attacked. It talks about keeping your characters honored to increase their skill, and, and sort of like sending other personalities away. The dragon apparently specialize in attachments, hmm. which in some sense, seems kind of odd, because you're like, oh, well, monks, you don't usually think of them as being attached to things. But right. yeah, you literally think the opposite. Well, well, yeah, but you've also got, right, it's not just the monks, you've got the dra- you've got the Miramoto, who had a weapon shtick, weapons are going to be attachments. I imagine there are going to be spells in Kiho, I imagine those are going to be attachments. The dragon, one would presume, are the primary users of Kiho, and they have a Shugenja family, because the Agasha are back to being, right, because we've rebooted back to before the clan coup, so the Agasha are a dragon family now, so we saw, we've already seen an Agasha personality. Who's a dragon? Yeah, maybe we'll be buds again instead of 
irrationally angry at each other for silly reasons. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, they did always want to come up with reasons why the dragon and the phoenix should be grumpy at each other. Right, and they never really seem to work very well. Yeah, the lion are all military and attack, and are terrible at politics. That mm-hmm. should not be shocking to anyone. The phoenix, they they really emphasize. They emphasize their pacifism and their mastery of the elemental rings. So it seemed like they definitely will prefer to be on the defense. I mean, who knows? Maybe they just won't be attacking much. Yeah. And it talked about ways to deny your opponent the benefit of the rings that they're claiming. Yeah, no, I mean, I I feel like the Phoenix got very little coverage here because they didn't want to talk about spells yet because I've not seen anything spells. No, all they've said is that there will be spells. Right. That's going to be Phoenix's shtick. So I feel like, yeah, they can't... If they're not going to talk about spells, there's much more limited on what they can say about us fire chickens. They seem like a controlly deck, too. Because yeah. not only do they not want to attack as much, but they it sounded like they made it harder for your opponents to attack them. That Maybe like the crane, like you attack the crane, but then they have to show up at the conflict and send you home. The Phoenix, maybe maybe the Phoenix are more of a passive sort of defense. Who who knows? Mm-hmm. I I don't know. The Scorpion or the Scorpion. I I, I don't know if there's any really... Dis- they they focus on the whole Hante, I am your villain yeah. thing. But okay, so they do dishonorable things. They have things that benefit them when they're dishonorable. They still have to make sure they don't go to zero. Yeah. Unicorn are aggressive. They have lots of combat tricks moving in and out of conflicts. I imagine some of that tied to the cavalry keyword mm-hmm. they also have their distinctive magic because you don't want you you the phoenix don't want anyone else to have yeah. distinctive magic or just because exactly. the phoenix are apparently want. mad about it i don't know that we're mad about it but we want it magic is our stick yes the phoenix watch unicorn magic with equal parts interest and concern mm-hmm. the dragon apparently perceived the wisdom of shinjo's, shinjo's children so there you go Ooh, good for you. Yes. You are wise. And, and there's some descriptions of what the plots might be. I don't I don't want to read too much into the way or or like anything really into the tea leaves of the sort of flavor blurbs they have here. They say interesting things. What is actually going to happen? I who knows. We don't even know what the broad strokes of the you know the 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 plot, the meta plot or whatever are are going to be. We don't even know for sure who's allied with who and who's unhappy with who, other than a couple of choice ones like Lion Crane. Yeah, now the biggest plot point that got mentioned several times is that there is a large Shadowlands army coming towards the crab. Yeah. And so that's kind of the reason why one might reasonably say... Well, Shadowlands could be coming as a faction because, or it could be coming as a way to play Shadowlands cards within other stuff if they they went that way. But I think one of the the things that was identified as a lesson learned, and I think accurately, from the Destroyer War was that if you're going to have a story that involves an antagonist, that actually needs to show up in the game. And that's kind of obvious, right? When you have a story-driven card game, whatever your story's about should probably appear in the cards. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's it's hard to do that. Now, they'd be weird, right? The 
Shadowlands always had this thing, like, what do you do with, with Shadowlands and honor and stuff, but... Politics, yeah. It, yeah, but yeah, politics is inherently one of the kinds of conflict, and and the honor dial is how you draw cards. That doesn't mean you can't do that, right? The, the Shadowlands stronghold could say that you, you know, you get two military conflicts a turn, but can't declare a political thing, and it could and it could say something like, you can't lose honor. Right, and you have the taint dial instead of the honor dial that you use. Or Well, or or the Shadowlands could have something bonkers like, I mean, they could just neither gain nor lose honor, so you can just pick a five every turn and draw your five cards, and yeah. your opponent can just choose whether or not to duck under that to gain honor. Mm-hmm. Or if, if you went low and they went high, then they would still lose the honor, but you wouldn't gain it. Getting, I mean, there are things that they could do. I'm not saying that this means they are planning on introducing Shadowlands, but you at least have some reason to say that. But there's no mention of anybody else right, right now. It seems like Yoritomo's like minor clans, including Yoritomo's alliance, would be the the next sort of thing to come up. But like that's like the existence of Yoritomo's alliance is a a plot point that hasn't happened yet. I don't. Are we even at this? I don't think we're even. The story is even advanced to the point where the three man alliance would have happened, and which preceded Yoritomo's alliance, right? With the minor clans, it's one of those like, could they go that way? Sure. Will they? Who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah. And they've also, and they also noted that we we don't know what the past of this Rokugan is. Mm-hmm. It's not like this. Rokugan is in all other ways the exactly the same as the other Rokugan. What we will see is over time the past of this Rokugan will be fleshed out and I imagine that some of it will be quite similar or identical to what we were familiar with from L5R Classic and some of it will be completely different. Ooh, okay. do, do you have anything else or should I do my little mini rant now? Do you do you want to do it? Do you want to take a turn at a mini rant first? <laughs> or do you just have nothing to be angry about? Okay, here's my mini rant. It's very mini. Squeak! Squeak or squeak? Squeak. Squeak. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. You're just going to have to stick with the Phoenix. You're, I, I think know, your rattling I, hopes are, are doomed. Oh, I, I know. It's... You can hope for a rattling card. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a reasonable ask. I would not be the least bit surprised if throughout the lifetime we see like one or two rattlings cro- crop up in the crab cards. I would not be the least bit surprised about that. I would be surprised if it's in the first year or two, but I would not be surprised long-term that doesn't happen. Yeah, well, I mean, you can just be a print-A neutral rattling card at some point. That's yeah. I'm not saying they will, especially not early. I mean, I think I'd be surprised if they never printed one, but yeah, but early on. So here's my thing. So as you mentioned, there's some... Like, you called it a gender swap, which I... Don't even necessarily like that term. I it's it's hard. I, okay, it's I, I guess it's applicable in the crane case, right? Because in so in L five R classic, you had like Emerald Champion Doji Setsume. He was the Emerald Champion and Champion of the Crane, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And he retired or whatever. And so the Crane Clan Champion and the person who was then the Crane Clan Thunder. And we have no idea if there's going to be a second day of Thunder or not in this. Or if there are thunders, if they'll be the same people, but was was Doji Hatori? Well, there is there is no Doji Hatori in this. The Crane Clan champion is Doji Hataru. 
obviously and presumably deliberately a very same, a very name, a, a right. very similar name. She has two siblings. Neither of them is Hitori. There is just no Hitori. Also existing in this time frame are the uh, are familiar faces from L5R Classic, Scorpion Clan Champion Bayushi Shoju, and his wife Bayushi Kachiko. Well, long-time L5R players may recall that, uh, or certainly will recall, right, <laughs> that there was a forbidden romance between Doji Hitori and Bayushi Kachiko. I don't remember, was that before she became Bayushi Kachiko, or after, or both? I think both. Been long enough. Yes, yeah. because yes, well, because they ended up having a kid. Like Bayushi Dare You yeah. like, was, was Hatori's heavily implied to be Hatori's kid, not Shoju. I don't know. I think it may have gone beyond implied at some point, but but yes, it was it was very clearly presented as the son of the wife of the Scorpion Clan champion is the son of the Crane Clan champion. So the immediate response, the immediate response on the boards to this thing was that oh Kachiko and the new the now female Crane Clan champion should hook up. Yeah. Like as an alternate thing. And then what happened on the quote unquote controversy with the AMA on Reddit was that somebody asked if we could see a Kachiko and Hataru pillow fight playmat. Or like how much would we have to bribe you to get that? And one of the fantasy flight people answered well, you don't have to bribe me for that, like, well, smiley no, face. No, yeah, the problem was their initial response was, no bribery needed, and then they later came back and said, I mean that it's never going to happen, you can't bribe it in, but of course everyone interpreted that as, oh, we're doing it anyway, you don't have to bother with the bribery. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's the natural way to read what was originally, and then... You, you take it. And so so here's my, my mini rant thing. I am all for increased depiction of queer characters and relationships in L5R and other games and other media. And there will be some number of people who claim that, oh, that's what this is. We just, why, why, why can't we see a gay <laughs> relationship? We never got to see that in L5R. And that's for the most part true. Uh, maybe entirely true. I'm trying to. I, I don't want to say that it was definitively nothing ever. But if there was anything, it was the AG deliberately avoided that. Well, I mean, just it's a family-friendly game. There was not a lot of depiction it, it, of. There sex wasn't depiction of so. sexuality generally much. Yeah. Uh, and, except on some Scorpion Clan characters. Jesus. <laughs> well, yes. yeah. Except I, I don't believe that for a second. That is garbage. This is plain old-fashioned, like, Howard Stern catchphrase, lesbian equals rating stuff. Yeah. The overwhelmingly straight male audience inhabiting the internet forums on fantasy web fl- websites are not talking about Kachiko and Hataru getting together because they have some deep-seated, genuine interest in... Inclusiveness. Yeah, inclusiveness and seeing more diversity in presentation of characters with different gender and sexualities. Not that they necessarily don't have that interest, but that's not what this is about, right? Come on. You know what? If you want to see that, I have been told, I have been told, in fact, I have been told by puppets in a Broadway musical (laughs) that you could go on the internet other places to to completely satisfy whatever you're interested in in that front. Like, go to town. 
You mean Deviant Art still exists? They haven't taken that down yet. <laughs> so the controversy, as it were, about the fantasy flight response, because well, the, like they they posted the response and then they edited the response and then they deleted the whole question, mm-hmm. which is never going to be a good look. No, I mean, and so the the controversy, as it were, about that, which I don't think is really a big deal, is that it was an inappropriately jokey response because the. I think the natural reading of the initial response was that it was playing into this Kachiko ship Hataru. Oh, no. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's, yeah, the, the, that phrasing. I mean, there, there's a reason I quoted the explicit phrasing. I think that phrasing is very little coy. Oh, yeah, no, of course that's, yeah. I mean, and that's, okay, so not... I'm not a fan of the original response. I, They were correct to come back and clarify it. I don't think they should have deleted it. I get why people don't want their AMAs derailed by things, but, you know, it's an AMA. You know, it's not going to... Deleting things on the internet does not make it go away. Look, I'm just here to talk about Rampart, okay? But, yeah. But that is one comment. And I know that's an official person, but that's like one offhand comment by one person. But... I don't want to have to wade through pages of people on the forum saying that they want this and then also coyly trying to pretend like their desire to see this is something other than what it is, Mm -hmm. right? Again, like if we're going to see, and I hope we do, see more depiction of, of queer characters in games, it needs to be a genuine depiction of those characters as characters for themselves, not... Let's have it implied that hot girls are doing it for the, you know, viewership benefit of the straight male audience, of which, you know, we are a part. I don't know. That's my mini rant, and that's really more about the forums, which is which is probably displays the foolishness of this rant, because I'm, that's right, I just did a little rant on the internet about something that other people were saying on the internet. Always a winning formula. What a strange game. The only winning move is not to play. <laughs> yes, yes. There is indeed an entire thread on uh, on the Fantasy Flight forums where somebody says something like, is it just, it, like the title is something like, is it just me or are there a lot of like people like inordinate whining and complaining? And I, I did not read this thread, but I kind of wanted to res- just to go on and respond and say, it's the internet. Yeah. Of course there's <laughs> Yes. Chris, you're doing it wrong. The correct response is, on the internet? No, there's never complaining on the internet. <laughs> it didn't occur to me to ask this beforehand. I uh, I asked to see, hey, is there is there anything that Jay and I should talk about? But I, I asked it like five minutes before we, we were starting. <laughs> so I got questions like, why did we never invite Tetsuro to be on the podcast? He said it was your fault. Sure, we'll go with that. What what is expected to be the top deck at Gen Con? I said Naga. I, I think that I think I'm I think that's still a solid. Yeah, I'm still going with that. Uh, that's like can't be any more wrong than whatever else I'd say. <laughs> that's a spirit. See, somebody's asking about like cost of buy-in with three core sets. To me, I know that there are people who have a lot of heartburn with the three core sets thing. And would I prefer to only have to buy two core sets? Yes. Because that would involve me spending less money. And it turns out I prefer to spend less money. But 
we still come back to the whole three corsets is like slightly more than the cost of one booster box. Right. So I mean, also, I'm gonna believe it was Horvath, right, who said it the the two corset. I'm gonna believe him when he said you only need two to be competitive. That probably what you're picking up with that third corset is a third copy of unique cards that you don't necessarily want to be playing anyway. I mean, I remember the Netrunner corset. Yes, you technically needed three of them to have a playset of anything, but that was things like cards that you were never going to play three of to begin with. Yeah, there was was there like one card in Netrunner that Netrunner was a bit odd. And have they done something like this in any of their other ones where it was a very small number of cards that you needed? one that you needed three sets for like if you i'm gonna just make up a number maybe you remember what it exactly was but it'd be something like if you bought two core sets there were you know out of hundreds of cards there were like 10 if that, that you didn't yeah. have a play set of and there was like one that you would have cared about not having a play set of. right and so that i, I remember that being kind of irritating because you're like oh, well i i can buy another one but i don't want to buy another one for this one card <laughs> yeah exactly but i don't think they've done that since then have they no i mean yeah obviously we're purely speculating but i mean i i, I feel like yeah you you don't need three copies of your stronghold you're not gonna need i mean depending on how many unique cards there are and how many copies of them you get I can't imagine you're going to need three copies of every single card to be able to be competitive. Although, to, to be clear, I, I'm i going to buy three of them. I well, mean, yeah. I, I, At <laughs> least three. I, so I, I, Based on my personal habit, I would not be surprised if at the end of two years I have bought four or five when they've gone on really good sale and I'm like, sure, I'll get another copy so I can build even have even more decks constructed at the same time. There's this one really good in faction card and I, it only came one of in the box and I wanted in three different decks. Exactly. And it's on sale for 20 bucks. Sure. That's worth it to me. (laughs) That's harder to get these days. It is with the, uh, with the asthma day stuff. Let's assume for the sake of argument that you're at Gen Con. I think that's safe. Yes. That you managed to get a copy. I think that'll happen too. Yeah. And that you actually get a spot in the tournament, because that may be an issue. We just automatically play Phoenix, or are you going to have to contemplate anything else? We'll see. Well, so I thought that they said with the tournament, you're guaranteed to get a copy if you go in the tournament. So I've They def- have done that before, but you have to... But they've also sold out the initial tournaments before. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I'm definitely going to hop on as soon as event registration opens up and hope I get lucky and get a spot in in the tournament. Yeah, no, I probably will play Phoenix. That is just, you know, if for no... I mean, it's not like I'm going to win it playing the best deck possible, so I might as well play something that I enjoy. (laughs) It's my general philosophy. It would feel really weird not playing Dragon. I mean, why do you think I played Rattling for so long? Because you're short and furry? I don't know. That is a horrible stereotype. I resemble that remark. I think we are done here. (laughs) That was unfair of me. You're not short. No. (laughs) Man, it'd be weird. It'd be weird 
showing up at the premiere and not playing Dragon. I I think we might be on the hook to play Rattling if there was one, but there isn't. <laughs> I think, didn't we have but, some, like, wasn't that some... I, I thought we eventually that, discharged that at some point. I don't remember now, though. I feel like it never came up, because Rattlings were never a legal faction anything we did. No, yeah. I should remember that, being that it was some sort of obligation, but it was so long ago now. That was from a solving the riddle thing, right? That sounds right, yeah. Though I think I think that was one of the charity pancreatic cancer go to pancan.org. That's P A N C A N dot O R G. For those who have not been around with us for ages. Hello, what are you doing listening to us, Jibber Jabber? For for several yes, especially since it's been a while now. Ugh. For for several <laughs> for for several years we uh I, I ran a or not ran, I like I organized a series of charity tournaments which were then run by individual people that raised money for, for Pancam, but I, I think that was the prize the last time. I feel bad now that I don't remember this more precisely, but that it was yeah, like that we would whatever the faction was, we would play that at the next storyline tournament, but the winner was like rattling and that has not come up. No. So I don't have to worry about that conflicting obligation. Because if that, you know, if, if that was if Rattlings were a faction and that was that then then that would carry over and that would uh that obligation would be honored. But in this case I we just have the seven and yeah, Rattlings are never going to be a faction in this game. I guess I could see them, like, four years from now doing something like they did with Netrun, where they have a goofy... Right, one, one-offs. Yeah, they have a goofy, goofy deluxe expansion, right? That's how they did it, with several, yeah, like, several minor faction minor identities faction, or something. Yeah. You know what? I will take it, because that's how Rattlings started, is a one-off box in... Oh, what was the name of that? It was only... Heroes of Rokugan. Yes, Heroes of Rokugan, which was, what, what, like 27 cards? Yes. Yeah. And almost all of them are terrible. Most of the set was a bunch of personalities that cost 13 and didn't do anything. 13, often, if it was an honorable clan, had above box honor requirements, too. (laughs) This was well before the blood money roll. Oh, speaking of that sort of thing, so here's my prediction, although I don't say... Mm -hmm. Once you bring it out of clan card in, it is not going to matter. Yeah. There is not going to be any like increased out of clan cost or anything. It's it's a deck building restriction. I would be surprised if it has any effect once it's in play. Other than things like they've shown the what was what was the the card called? The way of lion where it says target a lion, dude. Other than that, yeah. Yes, they they still will be yeah, and there's there's relatively low key- keywords. We've seen, like, Bushi and Shugenja mm-hmm. and Cavalry. But yes, they have a set of way of cards that... The ones that we see are mostly free, except for the Dragon, which is two, probably because it's... Because the Dragon one's an attachment instead yeah, of an event card. They all have the philosophy keyword. But yeah, like, the Lion one is during a conflict, choose a Lion character, double that character's base military skill until the end of the conflict. Seems to be, yeah. So we can't see a lot. Like, the Way of the Crane, it involves choosing a Crane character you control. Bam! Yeah, I, I have noticed FFG really does love to preview cards in the fan, so you can only see part of some of the cards. And you have oh yeah, it's tantalizing guess. them. Oh no, they write this. It it is. It's because they're better at this, right? <laughs> they are better at this stuff. I mean, like, uh, look, I, I AEG did a great job with L5R for a long time. 
FFG has this marketing rollout thing down to a science. Yeah. Then this is not unique to, to L5R, right? People always wanted everything. People would be like, why don't you preview every single card of the expansion six months before it comes out, before we've even bought the expansion before that? Yeah. Like, because that's bad marketing. Look, I want to see all of the cards before you've even finished the layout and play test, and before you even come up with a card concept, I want to see the new Lion Stronghold from four years from now. Yeah, I mean, that just yeah does... Does not work. I don't know. I think we've hit all the other things that people asked about. We've talked about mechanics. I think we covered most of the stuff that came up in the the AMA. There was a question about the fate mechanic. We've hit that. I think we've said what we can say, which is not a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I like the idea of it. It's cool, but it's hard to do more than speculate without, you know... It's so different. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, a lot of it is going to be not just the mechanic itself, but the implementation of it and how all the pieces fit together. And that's only going to come when you start seeing cards and get all of the rules. And, yeah. I will say one thing I don't think we mentioned that came out of the AMA is that, sadly, Spooky's novel sounds like it's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, somebody asked about the novel and they just kind of reiterated that we're, you know, happy to be looking forward to telling our story. And, and right, from the point of view of the L5R LCG, Spooky's novel is scented some goofy alternate future right. 100 years from now or whatever. So, yeah, I, I don't think it will ever see the light of day. Which is... He can scrub the L5R logo off of the clans <laughs> or something and self-publish? I don't, but yeah, I... Yeah, that's a shame. That would be the main thing. If I was if I was going to see something else out of the uh what would have been on the on the old L5R, I mean, I'm I I honestly can't say that like I I'm like, "Oh, man, I wish I wish they were continuing to tell the story that had been unfolding." Or I'm glad that they're not literally trying to just reboot and tell the same story. Like right. some people suggested that they should just like straight up redo clan war which i I don't i mean they're already deviating some i hope that they continue to deviate yeah not that you can't have some second day of thunder sort of thing but like let's really change it up like tell your own story Mm -hmm. i mean yeah i would be okay if they keep some of the broad strokes but even that i'm not gonna hold sacrosanct and yeah, I'm excited that they're obviously going to try to do their own thing. So there's the threat about this, and I my answer was going to be a a grumpy old man answer, but <laughs> then I realized that I actually had a real answer. But so there there was a threat where somebody asked like, so it's basically like, oh, what what character do you want to see pulling out of classic L5R? What do you want to see showing up in Neo L5R? Let, let me guess. Was his name Setsumi? What was his name? Uh, Hatomi's older brother. Well, that's my answer, yes. You, you're, you're recalling the right one. But what is your answer, uh, if any? Who would I want to see back? That is, let me think on that for a minute. Honestly, Toshimoko. Because I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but I still remember when I started this game, one of the like first two or three fictions I read that really got me into the game 
was a fiction that was, if I remember correctly, it was called Private Lessons, where Toshimoko and a young Hattori are walking down a road, and a lion samurai comes up and challenges him, and Toshimoko is just so like, I'm not interested in you, and flippant, and, and cool. So my, my sort of grumpy old man answer was like, was, was almost like yeah. nobody. I don't want the, the, the... I mean, there's some short-term coolness in it, but I don't want the Fantasy Flight L5R story to just be a bunch of alternate universe stuff of the original L5R story with, with slight tweaks or, or taking the same people and putting them in somewhat different situations. Right. Especially since that populates the characters. What I want to see character-wise is a small number of characters. Mm, yeah. I, I don't want to see 20 different characters for each clan. Yeah. Give me three. And that's one of the nice things about them doing the generic names instead of Matsu Bob for all the cards is you it's, you don't just automatically have all of these random named people wandering around. The big example of that would be like Hitomi. Mm-hmm. She is actually my favorite L5R character. Right? And... I don't want to see her show up. Or I guess she can, but if she can, it needs to be something different. Like, some people have suggested, oh, you could see her rivalry with Yakomo again, but in a little different way. I'm like, no. It was just like, I didn't, I never wanted her to come back again in the normal L5R story. Like, she had a big, huge, long storyline. Like, she had, she had an adequate amount of story a long time ago. By the end of Hidden Umper, like, she, she and Yakomo literally became the sun and the right. moon. That's okay, we're, right? This character has had a has lived a long and full plot life. <laughs> we're done. Can we move on now, please? There isn't more story to tell with this character. But I also have a severe fondness for Miramoto Satsu, and I I don't want to drag everyone into the to running over the details of that. You can look it up online. But suffice it to say that he was a character who was dead already when L5R began the first time. He died before the Scorpion Clan coup, and really his only role in the story was the events that resulted in his death. And so I'm like, I guess I am a big fanboy of this character, and really anything that you do with this character, other than that exact same story... (laughs) Well, no, see, it makes more sense now. He didn't want to lose the honor, so he put one on his dial, thinking, oh... Kasada is just going to pick one himself, but Kasada p- decided to pick the five, took the honor hit, and smashed him in the face. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Yakimo. Oh, not... you're right. I'm sorry. It's Yakimo. Yes. And that's just, and, I'll, and then I'll drag you guys into it anyway. That, which is the origin of the aforementioned Yakimo and Hitomi feud. In the original storyline, Yakimo is getting into a duel with Muramoto Satsu. The general idea being that Satsu is this sort of Dragon Clan golden boy, and there's no way he was going to lose a duel to this crap guy. But he is told, essentially by the Dragon Clan champion, that Yakomo is the Crab Clan mm-hmm. Thunder, and that the second day of Thunder is coming, and that Yakomo needs to stay alive. like this, bro. Like, it would be better for the Empire if Yakomo was alive, so he deliberately loses the duel and lets Yakomo kill him, which then prompts this feud. Anyhow, so that was really the only particular thing that, that came to mind. 
most people that I'd be like, oh, that character was cool. Like, we saw a bunch of them. And we've already got, right, and I've already got Yakuni. So, right, I've, I've already got Yakuni to, to give that for me, right? Like, I've got the man. I'm, I, I'm sorry, Yoritomo. He's, he's, he, he, he's a dragon <laughs> kami. Come on. You may be your best 20 men, and I get that. He's an immortal dragon god. Okay, okay. Don't get offended. It's all right. Okay, now I think we're definitely getting down a rabbit hole. A zoomy hole, you mean? I think I should be done talking. Do you have anything else you want to be doing talking? Squeak? Squeak or squeak? No, no, I'm good. (laughs) You already did that. (laughs) Okay, thanks for listening to Jay and I and our uh, summaries and thoughts on the new Legend of the Five Rings LCG. You will continue to hear more of this from us over the coming months leading up to the release at Gen Con. This particular episode, because it's about this big feed of information, is going to be showing up in the general gaming and the Legend of the Five Rings specific feeds. Future episodes that are about more like little nitty-gritty things about L5R may not be showing up, probably will not be showing up in the general gaming feed. So if you want to hear more about L5R on the podcast and you're subscribing, make sure you're subscribing to the whole every episode feed, which is what you are doing if you're subscribing on iTunes or or Google Play or a, a podcasting service. But if you're on the individual website, you have the ability to select individual sub feeds. I'm not sure why I bother doing that. But hey, it's still there. But certainly once once the game actually comes out and we really get to play it for the first time and give a general overview, that will be back in the, the general gaming feed as a, a review before we go back into the L5R only feed for things like reviews of individual dynasty packs. Anyhow, you have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or wherever you downloaded this episode. We are also on the usual social media sites. We're facebook.com slash strangeassembly and at strangeassembly on Twitter. You can also contact me directly uh, via email. I am chris at strangeassembly.com. I always like to hear from our listeners and readers if you have any comments, criticism, or other feedback. But until then... For Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. My life, my soul for the Phoenix.